right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Ethos Celtics podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. I'm your host, Patrick Lounsbury, after a huge blowout win against the Brooklyn Nets. How are we feeling today, Lucas? Definitely cannot complain after a victory like that. I mean, you know, we talked about last show, Celtics had to take care of business today against a shorthanded Nets squad, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, Patrick, they came out on a 28-2 run. Can't come out much better than that, can you? Nah, man. I think this team came out with purpose, and they didn't care about who they were playing in front of them. They took, as you know, you got to play whoever's in front of you no matter what, whether it's the bench unit for the Nets or the starters of the Nets. You got to take care of business and be able to really come out strong and make an example that you don't want to be a team that plays around with, with teams you're supposed to beat. And they came out here, really put this thing away early on, and was able to kind of play everybody's mind at ease pretty early on. Hey, you know, Jalen came out hot five or six in that first quarter. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a team effort. You know, Grant chipped in with five. Jason and Al both had seven. But, I mean, defensively they came out just with a crazy level of intensity. And it was very clear uh, that the game plan was, you know, if you shut down – Patty Mills, you know, uh, you're going to really stop the Nets' entire offense without Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. You know, uh, Patty Mills is the only guy you can really run your offense through at that point. You know, we know Blake Griffin's not really that guy. So once I saw they were trying to take Patty Mills out the game, I mean, the Nets' offense completely fell apart. And then, you know, the Celtics were moving the ball, like you said, with purpose. You know, it looks like, you know, the passing has gotten much better. Uh, Jalen's passing personally really impressed me tonight, though. Yeah, Jalen dropping nine assists in less than 30 minutes of playing time. Fun fact is actually all starters for the Celtics played under 30 minutes tonight. So them being able to get a nice little rest is nice. But Jalen Brown was absolutely phenomenal. Came out here, played really well. Honestly, if this game needed him to play about 34 minutes, 32 minutes, I think he's probably pulling off a triple dub without a doubt. So I just want to say, man, Jalen Brown came out played with purpose, uh, had the ability to really take advantage of a Brooklyn team that was missing a lot of people. But he also had a little extra motivation, right? Like we saw his tweet, you know, the other day uh, when LaMelo Ball got introduced as the replacement for the East All-Star game. And you just see a tweet from Jalen Brown less than like 15 minutes later just said copy. Like not, not necessarily being like – you know, super salty about who made it, but just more so just like, all right, I didn't get picked. Cool. I acknowledge that, but let me go ahead and out here and show you what's, what's good with it. Oh yeah. He definitely came out, you know, clearly, you know, it was actually had a little extra motivation today, but he really came out under played under incredible control tonight. You know, he wasn't turning the ball over. He was, you know, navigating the pick and roll very well, driving to the hoop, making deliberate passes, you know, not just, you know, getting tunnel vision, going straight to the hoop, you know, no matter what, I'm taking this layup. No, he was really, uh, you know, terrific with his with his distribution tonight. And that was a really impressive uh, display from Jalen for sure. And, you know, I do think he deserved to make the all-star team. And like I said, I'm not going to call any guys out, but, you know, there's a couple guys who I think uh, Jalen definitely deserved the spot over. And he came out and, you know, proved that tonight. And like you said, he probably would have got the triple-double, but I'd much rather Jalen get rest than a triple-double. So you know, I think that was uh, – I think that was terrific to see all our starters get under 30 minutes tonight. Yeah, under 30 minutes was a was a great sign for all the starters. It shows how dominant they were. 
And Lucas will be nice to not mention some of the guys, but let's be real. Jalen Brown should have been on the team over guys like Chris Middleton. I said it. All right. I don't, I don't care. You go stamp my name on that. And even if Chris Middleton went off and had like a crazy second half of the season to this point, you're not, you're not going to convince me that he's had a better season than Jalen Brown. Uh, also like I thought Tatum was really good tonight too. It was interesting watching Brooklyn really make a point of emphasis on Jason Tatum and, and not letting him kind of get really into his groove by doubling him. But Tatum was really calm in those situations. He wasn't really rushed or anything despite the double teams that they threw at him. And I thought he did a good job of controlling himself and, and finding the right passes and getting the right reads on and really taking advantage of when they tried to double him. Yeah, they definitely did make a point to uh, double-team him. And I think you know the key part of it is that he was committed to getting rid of that ball right away. You know, he didn't wait. He didn't try and split the double team. Nope, he was trying to find the right pass, whether it was one pass away or a skip pass to the corner. Uh, you know, he was making that pass early, which is what you're supposed to do it against a double team. So, uh, you know, just more impressive, you know, playmaking or passing ability from Jason. You know, Pat, we've been talking about for a while. He especially has flashed that ability, and he's really stepped up. And it's Jalen from Billy Gracie's especially when they have Marcus Smart, uh, I mean, Reggie Miller, I mean, sorry, uh, Marcus Smart, you know, shooting. I mean, this guy was unbelievable tonight. <laughs> Six for 13 tonight from three. Um, you know, and, you know, Patrick, you said this before the podcast, The uh, a game in which Marcus Smart takes the most amount of shots, the Celtics rarely win. But tonight he was absolutely on fire. You know, it looked like he was really in rhythm, and I'm okay with I'm okay with that from Smart in a game like this. You know, against a shorthand and Brooklyn squad. You know, get your shots out tonight. So against the Nuggets, you know, Jason and Jalen can have. Yeah, no, Marcus Smart was definitely in his in his little like, hey, let me get my shots up type mood, and I wasn't mad about it because I thought there were shots that still weren't forced as much. I mean, he had a couple where I felt like he was kind of chucking a little bit. But we were up like 20 points. So Marcus Smart was like, yeah, I can kind of – I think he kind of subconsciously knew. He was like, ah, I could kind of do what a, my thing today a little bit more loosely because I don't have to worry about having to deal with, you know, Nick costing the team in a significant way. But uh, Marcus Smart, good game for him to gain some confidence. Uh, love seeing his ability to come out and shoot the ball. Uh, another person that I, I thought played really well today was Al Horford. Al Horford was really solid. Uh, on both ends at, at times, he was hitting a couple shots. He's been kind of getting a bit more of a groove lately. Uh, we've been a little bit more harder on him, some of us more than others, and he's he's kind of starting to come around a little bit here and and play some pretty good basketball, fitting in with the system. Kind of not saying he's going come back to the beginning of the season type Al Horford, but he hasn't been like the middle of the season Al Horford either. He's kind of coming in a, a little bit stronger for this team. Yeah, you know, I'm debating whether or not I was too harsh on Al. And, uh, you know, while I do believe when I was most harsh on him, he was playing his worst. And, you know, I've given him his due the last few weeks, last couple weeks where he's picked it up. But maybe I was originally too harsh on him because Horford's still the type of guy who's going to play solid interior defense, okay? Um, He's going to make the right play on offense. He can pass, do the high-low with him and Rob. He sets good screens. Uh, And, you know, now he's making a few more of his threes, so he's not as much of a negative on offense. Um, you know, like you said, I'm not thinking he's going to be, you know, Mr. Mister Wonderful 15, 8, and 4. But uh, I will say I think he's averaging the second highest rebound average of his entire career this year. So, you know, he's kind of hitting the glass a little harder than maybe he's known for, uh, which is, you know, shocking. But 
you know, maybe I was a little too harsh on Al, but, you know, it is good to see him, you know, just making the right plays constantly and protecting the rim. And if he can make his threes, you know, I feel like Al's going to be able to maybe see a few more minutes than he has, you know, throughout the year when, you know, push comes to shove in the end of the year and the playoffs. Yeah, I think Al will, will show he that was he's one for five. a lot more Sorry, valuable. But he was one for five tonight on the three ball, but. You know, it feels yeah. like as of late, he has been shooting it at maybe more of like a 30 or a low 30s as opposed to a high 20s. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think he's he's definitely been hitting a couple more. I don't know. There's some stretch there. It felt like he was missing every single three and it wasn't even close. It was kind of frustrating, but he's starting to hit at least one every now and then. And he's he's taking really good quality shots when he is taking the shots. So I'm not really as mad. Uh, and we're winning basketball now, so I guess winning kind of cures everything, even uh, some some views on some players. But on top of that as well, we're talking about the three ball. Uh, Ennis Freedom. <laughs> Ennis Freedom with a three-pointer in garbage time, man. He's shooting 40% from deep on the year, man. He's one of the better three-point shooters on, on the team right now. Uh, what do you think, Lucas, about giving Ennis Freedom some more playing time? You know, truthfully, I don't even really want to dignify this with a response. Uh, <laughs> you know exactly how I feel about this man. Um, I will just say, Patrick, you know, coming up from the uh, 24th to the 27th, we might be without Ennis Freedom. You know, he's doing some speaking at a conference down in Florida. So, uh, you know, the, the extra playing time won't be coming then, Patrick. So that's what I have to say. Um, you know I don't want to see any more Ennis Freedom than I have to on the court. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, but he has been uh, he he has been pretty good when he has been able to come in and get some minutes and stuff like that. But just always funny to watch one of the big men off the bench kind of get a get a shot at a three pointer and it go in. Bench went crazy. It was pretty fun. Uh, a lot of garbage time in this one. Not really a lot to uh, digest as far as that goes. Uh, but I did like to point out Robert Williams again solid effort by him I thought he he played really well and controlled as well had a nice little double double quiet game from him in the sense that he didn't make it like super big there wasn't a lot of I thought there'd be a lot more alley-oops to rob with Claxon out but he was kind of a little bit quieter on that end but a nice little solid double double game for Time Lord yeah just more you know consistent production from him rebounding really well protecting the rim you know, and like you said, maybe I expected a few more lobs, but, you know, nine shots, that feels like a pretty solid amount for uh, for Rob. So I know he was still getting his down low. Um, so, yeah, it was good to see, honestly. Um, like you said, not too, not too much to digest, really, uh, from this game, other than we just destroyed a team that was super shorthanded, had no initiative, like, you know, um, first-hand creators, you know, no initiators of offense, a game that we definitely should have dominated from start to finish, and we did. And I think, you know, it's important this game Friday. I said this on the last podcast that this game on Friday and the game on Sunday are the true test that Celtics fans should have been looking forward to. And now I don't ever like getting ahead of myself, but, you know, we kind of see tonight being a blowout. It was kind of a, you know, it wasn't too hard to see this coming without Harden, Kyrie, or yeah, it was it was kind of like a a gimme win, a little bit in the sense, didn't turn into a trap game. That's what we were really hoping it didn't turn into. So, Celtics were able to take control, take care of business, 
and really start making some more noise in the standings, man. We're on a six-game winning streak. Team's pretty much on a roll. Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum playing well along the stretch as well. But there's more than just the Celtics game that we have to talk about tonight, and there's no doubt close to that t- trade deadline. Rumors are swirling, and we've actually had a couple big deals go down. And and Lucas, uh, we saw that uh, the CJ McCollum move to the Pelicans uh, deal. Uh, what were you thinking about that trade when that happened? I mean, so I like that trade um, for both sides. You know, I think Portland definitely did better this time, you know, than they did the trade they made earlier in the week. Um, but I more like it on the side of the Pelicans. You know, they desperately needed some guard play, desperately needed some perimeter scoring. CJ, obviously, you know, is the type of guy who can give them that, you know, being, you know, a high-volume shooter, a good pull-up shooter, um, a guy who can, you know, get you 25 to 30 on any given night. Um, but, you know, it's very clear Portland is trying to, you know, totally retool their team around Dame uh, in that with, like, you know, from start to finish. So, you know, Patrick, I know our guy Adam Taylor, who we've had on the guest of the show, uh, uh, you know, a couple times. Uh, he, want, he, you know, put out on Twitter that maybe Yusuf Nurkic was a guy we could add as a backup big. You know, I'm totally good with that as a backup big. Uh, you know, he's a great third big, I think, in our system. But, you know, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But it would be good to pay attention to the Blazers because they are on a fire sale right now. Yeah, they've, they've made a couple moves now that have been a little bit on the questionable side uh, of things. But I think it wasn't a, a terrible haul for C.J. McCollum. I thought maybe they could have gotten a little bit more, but you can't be – you know, beggars can't be choosers at the end of the day. It does look like that this Portland team is, is looking to build up some cap space so that they can kind of be a little bit more aggressive to find something to put along Damian Lillard. They're going to be trying to do one last uh, – team build around Dame Lillard as Lillard is getting into his 30s now. The time is ticking for Dame time. So just a very interesting kind of thing going on over there. Yeah, interesting situation. I mean, like you said, they're just trying to get cap space. I mean, that trade they made earlier in the week where they pretty much just gave away Norman Powell and Robert Covington was strictly for cap space. You know, they free up some more here today. But the more interesting of the two trades, Patrick, I think you would agree probably, is uh, the Halliburton, Buddy Heald, um, and Tristan Thompson for Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamtrey? What did you think about? Um, what are the Kings doing, and uh, what type of drugs were they on when they accepted that deal? And then also, uh, Larry Bird, uh, you're a genius. Uh, those were my thoughts. Those were my instant yeah. thoughts. And I just look at what the construction-wise is going on in Indiana now, and I'm just – it's it's interesting, man. They they went and got uh, Tyrese Halliburton's a guy I'm really high on. Like I love them straight out of the draft. Uh, I was hoping the Celtics were going to be able to move up in that draft to get him. Uh, weren't able to make that move. Goes to San Sacramento, who I thought he fell way too far to. Just a a guard that plays with great pace, gets his team involved really well, but also can score at will. Overall, just like a very solid guy. He's pretty much a Malcolm Brogdon 2.0. So it's they got Malcolm Brogdon and Tyrese Halliburton. So that offense is always going to be having somebody keeping it in in order and keep it in control if they decide to keep both of them there. I do think that the Indiana Pacers might be sellers for Brogdon come offseason time when he's available for trade. He's just not available right now due to the contract extension he signed this year. Uh, but if they do make him available. That's somebody I would uh, be very interested on the Boston Celtics. 
you know, Brogdon's a guy I like a lot. But, you know, as far as the trade is concerned, I mean, Halliburton, you know, the ability to play defense, you know, the ability to shoot off the dribble, the ability to distribute, you know, his length. You know, it's not – I mean, he's a pretty rare guy. You know, there, there's not a lot of people with his skill set, I think. And, you know, as good as Sabonis is, I mean, you're trading for a guy for two years, you know, who's a big man who cannot stretch the floor. You know, he's a good offensive, you know, hub sort of guy, but he can't really play defense very well. You know, he's not awful, but he's definitely not good. Um, and, you know, Halliburton is under team control and a rookie deal for the next four, four odd years. So I don't get that at all. I much rather would have rather moved a guy like Fox because now you're pairing a non-shooter in your point guard and a non-shooter with your center. I mean, and when that center's not a not a uh, a role threat like a guy like you know Rashawn Holmes who was in Sacramento, ironically, or a guy like Rob Will, you know, it's going to be hard to get enough spacing to be successful on offense, especially when you give up your best shooter and Buddy Heald. So I don't know. I love this move for the Pacers. Uh, Duarte and uh, Halliburton is going to be a terrific backcourt for a while to come. Tough, tough matchup. Uh, I think this move sets them up very well for next year because I think the Pacers will still have their own high pick this year. And then, you know, they're going to have the Cavs first round pick. They're going to be able to really improve their team, you know, come in next year. Uh, yeah, I don't, what's going on in, in Sacramento is is really mind-boggling as far as the direction that team is trying to go in be. Uh, I mean, they don't have a terrible starting five when you really break it down. Darren Fox is a solid player. You got Davion Mitchell, who is a really good young uh, two-way player as well. And then you got Harrison Barnes, who has been linked to the Celtics for the past like five seasons, it seems like. And then on top of that, you add Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes, and the the five aren't, aren't a bad five. It's it's more so. Of, does it fit right? Like you, like you said, the spacing and the shooting. Like Davion Mitchell becomes, and Harrison Barnes becomes the two shooters on that roster in the starting five, and I think that's where the difficulty is going to come for that team. But it'll be interesting to see how they mesh and everything. I thought they were going to move on from Fox before they even thought about moving on from Tyrese Halliburton. But you know, I'm not the GM for the for the Kings, so yeah. You know, I definitely don't like the fit. And then, you know, the deadline is like 40-odd hours away, something like that, um, you know, Thursday at 3 p.m. And, uh, you know, I wonder if Dennis has played his last game as a Celtic tonight. Um, you know, he was a minus 13, 30-something point victory. And uh, I don't know. You know, we do we – I don't think we talked about the DiVincenzo swap. Or, no, we did. We did. But – uh I brought it up the uh, last episode, yeah, but we can't re- we can't re- rephrase about that because there have been a little bit more information. It seems like they wanted us to add a, a certain player to that mix. Yeah, so the report was DiVincenzo and uh, and Dennis being swapped, but the Bucks I think fairly wanted a little bit more than just Dennis, but they asked for Grant, who you know I think it's clear to everyone he's off limit in that uh, in, as far as that deal is concerned. You know, maybe for a bigger fish we could move Grant, but. Definitely not um, just for DiVincenzo. So I wonder if that will fall through and end up not happening. Maybe if we include a second-round pick, you know, or something like that, the Bucks might bite. And then, uh, you know, we know about that Bulls rumor with Troy Brown. But at this point, I would rather keep Dennis than dump him for nothing. I think I've, you know, done a little bit of flip-flopping on what I think is the better move. But I would rather have him around than just salary dump 
yeah, I don't think it's a salary dump type move to do, but also uh, if there is a trade that I feel like could could make us get some guy with a little bit more potential, uh, I know that Chicago has also been a team that's been interested in him as well. Uh, wouldn't mind getting Kobe White, you know, take a little upside chance at, at a guy that might have the ability to really increase uh, the depth of, of this team and, and come off the bench with a little bit more scoring pop as well, just like Dennis does on some nights. Uh, another trade that that kind of surfaced as well is the Lakers were very interested in Josh Richardson. Uh, tried offering a first-round pick and THT for Josh Richardson, but the Celtics rejected that offer. Respectfully so, Richardson has been really good this year. Although I do think that that first-round pick that they were offering was in 2027, and, and that might be actually pretty valuable when uh, the LeBron is no longer and AD situation might be a little murky in that point. Yeah, that could be valuable, but yeah, that'll be valuable, uh, you know, in 2030 when Jason and Jalen, you know, are no longer, you know, maybe in their prime. So I don't really care about the draft pick like that. I would much rather have Jay Rich, who, like you said, has been phenomenal this year. And apparently if Dennis gets traded, we'll kind of slide into that backup point guard role. Uh, so, you know, definitely looking forward to seeing what happens before the deadline. Because, uh, you know, this is one of the craziest weeks in sports, one of my favorite weeks in sports. It's been disappointing the last couple of years. Definitely has not disappointed this year. And hopefully the Celtics – can you know make? A, I would honestly like to make an addition. We could give up a future draft pick to increase our depth a little bit. Maybe sell a guy like Neesmith and a future pick to upgrade a little bit. I would absolutely love that because I think uh, the Celtics are playing really good basketball, and I think you need to show your two stars that you're committed to them um, every year. You know, let's go all out. You know, we're in win now. You guys are very good. We're not trying to punt. We're not building for the future. You're good enough to win right now, so let's go for it. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely down for fully going in and, and being committed to the Jays and doing whatever we can to make an improvement. The tax isn't as a, a big of a deal. I, I wish it wasn't as a big of a deal uh, to the owners like it is to us, but unfortunately we're not the ones that own the team, so we kind of have to have to go in the direction whatever the owners are kind of deciding here uh, when that those things come into play. Yeah, you know, if I was the owner, I'd be like I'd be out here like Steve Ballmer or Joe Lacob. If I had that much money, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. I guess it's a lot easier for me to say that for my position than the owner's chair, but I feel fairly confident in that. But you know, that's not something we should even really speculate about. Um, but you know, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if the, I feel like the ownership group would be willing to go into the tax for the right move. I think they just didn't want to, you know, bury themselves with a repeater tax, a more mediocre team. So, you know, got to give them a little credit there, but yeah, I wonder if, uh, you know, the team will be willing to dive into that luxury tax, spend a little bit of money to, you know, get the necessary talent around the Jays. That- Absolutely. And so do we have any, any predictions from you, Lucas, as far as do you think any person on the Celtics is no longer going to be on the roster by the Thursday, since this is going to be our last podcast, unless we have somebody move. Do you think we'll be doing another podcast? And if so, who is that person we'll be talking about? You know, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. I would say the most likely person to not be on the team is uh, is Dennis, probably. But, you know, here's my prediction. My prediction is that Neesmith is gone. How about that? You think, actually, Patrick, Neesmith and Ennis Freedom. How about that? I think they're both gone. <laughs> <laughs> I 
All right, I feel like you're trying to trigger me with the with the knee smith, and then you're just trying to give yourself some clarity with freedom. Yeah, exactly. Off the team. That those are just my personal oh. agendas right there. Um, no, who I really think is going to be gone if I had to put my if I had to put my finger on somebody, I, I would end up. Checking. So what's your percentage? We've got to get a percentage here. What do you think 45. the percentage is that Dennis that he's traded? Forty-five percent. Ooh, okay. So okay. pretty close to a fifty-fifty, but I would say there's a little bit more of a chance that the Celtics end up, you know, adding as opposed to you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. If I had to put a prediction out there, I think Dennis is gone, and I think that's at like a seventy percent chance. I really, I think that they're they're looking and pondering the best deal. I think that there's a deal on the table that they would take, but they're holding out until the last day because that's just the right thing to do and not jump the gun and, and trade a guy like if Karis LeVert, for example, and and just kind of not see what else is out there. Uh, or if you're going to jump the gun like Portland did with their two, Covington and Powell, you know, I, I think the Celtics are just kind of pondering offers right now. And it wouldn't shock me if Dennis is – pretty much already gone. Uh, he's probably packing his bags right now. Another guy that I think might shock people, but I think I think Grant might be on the move. I, I, I don't I, know I, why, but I have this weird hunch. It's not something I want. I'm only giving it a 15% chance, but like I think he's gone, and I don't know why. There's something telling me that he's being moved. Yeah, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one because – I just have to be a hard hard pressed to see Brad sacrifice arguably our most you know, he's been our most consistent role player, I'm pretty sure, even more than Jay Rich. Um Grant has been terrific this year, offense, defense. I just I see I see them holding Grant until the summertime and maybe, you know, including him in a uh, in a trade for a bigger fish because I feel like Grant actually has proven he can be an NBA role player, unlike a lot of the other guys, you know, his age on our team. So uh, unless it's a serious upgrade, I don't know. If, I don't know if Grant's going on the move, but we, we shall see. We'll see if that fifteen percent chance pans out. You know, I would love to be back here tomorrow to do a podcast about a trade um, because you know that would be exciting. But you know, I'm really not sure. But I w- my money's on Dennis. If anyone gets traded, my money. So Lucas is saying there's a 55% chance we'll be doing a podcast tomorrow. 45, 45. If not, then we will be talking to you guys. 45. No, 40. Oh, yeah, yeah, 45, 45. But 55% chance we don't is what I said. So that's 55% chance you think that he doesn't get traded, right? Right, right, right. All right. And then so we do have – when's the next game? Friday. Is that Thursday? Friday Thursday, against right? the Nuggets. Friday. So we have Friday against the Nuggets, which is going to be a, a big game that we are looking forward to. We'll see if there's any new Celtics or Celtics that are no longer on the roster. Mm-hmm. But let's just let's just see what happens. You know, we're rolling with the punches here. Uh, there ain't not much that we got else to say. A blowout win against the Nets. Celtics are rolling. Trade deadline's coming up. Grab your popcorn. Get ready because we're we're rocking out for this next uh next bit bit of stretch for the Celtics. Yeah, big few games coming up here, uh, Denver, Atlanta, and Philly. Hopefully we can win all three. Maybe, you know, I'm hoping for two out of three, especially one of those against Philly, you know, give us a jump in the standings because we're not going to be too far behind if we can get these next three wins. So hopefully that happens. Patrick, you know, I don't know if you got anything else, but like you said, I think we've pretty much covered it all. 
Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. Make sure you guys go ahead and head over to Apple uh, Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate all the love and support that we do get. We see it all. We appreciate it all. Also, make sure you guys head on over to Spotify. You can leave a five-star review as well. And make sure you head over to the Twitter page at Ethos Celtics. Uh, get all the great posts that me and Lucas uh, are posting out during the season, during the games, and getting all your great Celtics content. You can also follow me at Ball and Opinions and Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer, as we are pretty active on Twitter ourselves. Uh, we don't just talk only about basketball on our personal Twitter, so you can chime in there for those stuff. You can make fun of us, whatever you want to do. Uh, just go ahead and give us a follow if you want to uh, chat with us. You can always hit us up and let us know with some questions. Yes, I double all that. And also go make sure you go out to Manscaped. Uh, use the code HOOPBALL20 for 20% off your full order. That order's still going on. That deal's still going on. You might as well save some money while you're at it. So go ahead and use HOOPBALL20 for 20% off your whole order. Pat, I think that does it for us tonight. Yes, sir, man. It's been a pleasure, as, as always. always. Everybody, let's go seize. <laughs>